Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. Sometimes it gets catchy in a hurry. Great news, though. We got it together with our tremendous engineers on the back end. And uh, low-tech Sam Bushman on the front end, welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. And this is Liberty Roundtable Live. It is the broadcast for, what is it already, Friday, March the 12th, in the year of our Lord, 2021? Amazing time flies when you're having fun. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic. We're taking America back, one heart, one mind, one issue at a time. Faith-filled Friday and hard-hitting news that it works refuse to use starts now. Quickly, a recap. Then our guest, Will Nelson, hour one. Our guest, Dr. Scott Bradley in the house, hour two. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. Yesterday's broadcast, the recap, starts now. We had our guest on Brian Rust, RustCoinandGift.com, doing a phenomenal job for over 50 years. Brian and his family have been really spending time educating folks about precious metals, helping people understand, hey, what do you got to do? Most important, take possession of the metals. Secondly, you're always best with the metals that aren't numismatic, that aren't, you know what, trading value coins with a bunch of speculative dollars involved, if you will, or speculative margins or value. You're always good. You're always doing well when you take possession of constitutional currency, silver eagle, silver dollars, dimes and quarters, because those are closest to the spot value uh, that you can get. Always a wise choice. RustCoinandGift.com. The Honest Money Report from Brian yesterday, gold was at $1,731, down a little bit from what we've seen, but not much. Silver, $26.40. That's spot, by the way, $26.40. But it's instructive to know that to get a modern printed by the United States Mint 2021 Silver Eagle Silver Dollar, it costs you around 38 bucks to get one of those. So will the real dollar please stand up is the honest money report point we make. Why, when you take a paper dollar, does it take 38 of them to buy a silver dollar, Silver Eagle? And why on that Silver Eagle Silver Dollar does it claim it's a dollar by the United States Treasury, by the Mint, but yet you have the Federal Reserve, the fake banking cartel, and they say they have the dollar. But it takes 38 of one of the fake dollars, the paper dollars, to buy one of the Silver Eagle printed by the Mint 
the Treasury of the United States silver dollar. It's instructive also to know that if you get one of those Sacagawea dollars, right, they're metal also, but they're fake metal, and they're created by the Federal Reserve. Well, you can say they're by the Treasury too, Sam, but then why do they say a dollar on them? You got three different dollars, ladies and gentlemen. Which one? Which one would you prefer? May I humbly ask? All right, there's the Honest Money Report. Brian Rusquin and Gift, RusquinandGift.com, doing a great job. We also talked about gas prices expected to rise over the next several weeks. So they're going to give you a stimulus check, but don't worry, gas will rise, and then you'll just have to spend it on gas, huh? Senate Democrats pass pork-filled. $1.9 trillion COVID bill, yeah, by circumventing all the Republicans. No Republicans voted for it. One Democrat dissented. The rest of them stuck together and sold us down the river. Yeah, Congress passes Biden's $1.9 trillion bill. House, Senate, and signed by Biden. They say it's the biggest handout, the biggest redistribution of wealth since the Great Depression, ladies and gentlemen. Senator Pat Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania, spoke out, and he warned, he says, not only is, are they giving you a bunch of money, but you know what? Democrats are looking for a carbon tax beware. Yeah, they're going to pass it. They're going to push it through. We don't have any way to stop it as Republicans. They want to divide us, left, right, Republican, Democrat, and through that divide, they will push their socialist, communist-style agenda. That's an opinion to which I'm entitled, if you will. Daylight savings times coming up this weekend. The debate continues. Uh, that was our one Liberty Roundtable Live. I personally am for daylight savings time. I think we ought to move to daylight savings time, and then we ought to stay there. Yeah. I think we ought to jettison all four time zones in America. Just go to two time zones in the lower 48 states, if you will. And it would be two hours apart, probably, and everybody would stay on daylight savings time personally. That's how I'd do it if it were me. Uh, nevertheless, it's controlled by your federal government. They're out of control, and they've been manipulating time zones for literally almost 100 years. They've had updates from time to time, but what they really need to do is just get out of it and leave it to the states and to the people respectively. But part of the reason that the states um, got steamrolled when it comes to time zones and time and the regulation of time and because the states had all kinds of different ideas, and it became such a hodgepodge of confusion, the federal government stepped in and said, all right, now, uh, the problem is the laws are antiquated, out of date. We've got to update it. There's people putting some stuff before Congress to hopefully get that done. Time will tell if reality check sets in and they get it done, or if they just talk about it one more year or every six months, and then it comes back and they talk about it again. It's all been nothing but talk. That was our One Liberty Roundtable Live yesterday. Available at LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net, live and on-demand radio at your fingertips and free. But if you want to donate, every penny helps. Just add a one first or a greater number and then put a bunch of zeros when you donate. Would you please? We're not into liberalism, but when it comes to donations, be liberal, will you please? All right. Second hour brought to you in part by Raw Honey. Delivered directly to your door. To learn more, get a hold of Kurt. C-U-R-T at LibertyRoundTable.com. That's Kurt at LibertyRoundTable.com. Or you can text or call 801-669-2111-2211. That's 801-669-2211. You can also get a hold of Kurt via his website, localhoneyman.com. That's localhoneyman.com. Second hour, we talked about Clarence Thomas doing a phenomenal job on the Supreme Court. Issues decisive, ruling in a religious freedom 
free speech case. Dan McLaughlin uh, with the details on that. Great breakdown of that yesterday. Incredible case. When good people stand up, wonderful things happen. The only thing it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. Pelosi's HR1 is an authoritarian outrage, says National Review. The U.S. House has passed the greatest possible threat to our nation and its election integrity ever, writes Matt Staver. He's the founder and chairman of Liberty Council, LC.org. I'm telling you, this H.R. 1 is disaster, folks. Stop H.R. 1 now in the Senate. We have time. Call your senators. Fax your senators. Do whatever it takes to get bold and clearly say you've got to, got to, got to reject H.R. 1. You also got to reject the Equality Act with that H.R. 5. You got to stand up, folks, and you got to do it now. We also talked about great news from the great state of Georgia. The state house just passed a huge omnibus election integrity bill with massive election reform involved. And the Georgia Senate also passed a bill restricting, listen to me, restricting mail-in ballots. That's great news. They're also putting together some prosecutions for voter fraud in the Peach State. So keep an eye on that. I have never seen an attack on free and fair elections like HR1, people are saying. you got to flood the Senate with an outcry over this bill. Matt Staver says our legal, time is, our legal team is fighting both HR1 and HR5 as we continue also to defend people's freedom of speech, freedom to worship, freedom to assemble, and more. Please join me in prayer for our nation. That's my plea. We also talked about the pandemic one year later. Yeah, Utah plans to open up vaccine eligibility for all adults by April 1. Joe Biden says he wants to get that done by May 1 for all adults in the country. What about those who want to choose not to have the vaccine? Do they have a voice or not? And are you going to be able to choose? It's fine that they want to have vaccines available for those who want to take them. But what about those who want to choose not to take them? What about those who say, Nah, I don't think I want to take the jab. Are they going to be allowed or free to make their choice? Or no, if you want to murder a baby, it's your body. But if you don't want vaccines, your body's not yours. It's your favorite government institutions. Who has control over your body more? You? Just wondering. All right, quick pause. Our guest coming up straight ahead. I am Sam Bushman from the road. So this is a crazy start, but we'll get it all together. Break down hard-hitting news that ever should be used for you on your radio. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. 
Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm seven years old. I'm sitting here in the corner having a time out until Mom comes to talk to me. All I did was cut my sister's hair. I was just trying to help. I guess Mom didn't like how I did it. In a minute, she'll be back and ask me if I know what I did was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have cut her hair. And she'll say we all make mistakes because we're just learning about stuff. And she'll give me a hug and we'll end up talking about more stuff. No matter what you talk to your kids about, love is what they'll hear. I really like Mom's timeouts. And I think she likes them too. Yeah, I think they help her remember how much she loves me. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio on the faith-filled, freedom-loving, fantastic Friday. Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org, RonPaulInstitute.org. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, my brother. Good to be back, Sam. Thanks for having me. Gunning for you. Boy, howdy, huh, sir? Yeah, just two more reasons uh, to call congressmen and uh, let them know that you don't want them uh, to be passing these background checks. Uh, the first measure is H.R. 8. Uh, the Bipartisan Background Checks Act of 2021. And the second reason is H.R. 1446, the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021, which extends the review period for gun sales from three days to ten days. So uh, both of these bills are bad. Um, H.R. 8 in particular is moving very quickly. As the gun grabbers in Congress uh, quickly fall in line, they've lined up 131 co-sponsors to this bill already, three of them Republican turncoats, making this very dangerous gun bill a bipartisan threat. So with their newfound majority in the Congress, Sam, they are running very quickly to the left in order to tighten down the screws on all Americans. This bill, by the way, HRA, would create a de facto centralized list of nearly every gun owner in the country under the control of Joe Biden and his band of status at the Department of Justice and the FBI, who have proven their utter contempt of the Bill of Rights um, just in the first few weeks of his administration. So we must demand Congress put a stop to this proposal immediately. There isn't much time to act on these, but... We've got to act. We've got to let our congressmen know we do not want passage of these two measures. Sam? One of the most interesting things about this is the House is literally doubling down at breakneck speed 
on these kinds of bills, whether it be the stimulus checks, the great redistribution of wealth, the great socialism plan, uh, more so than even the uh, Great Depression lull. The House is moving forward really fast trying to overwhelm us. You're right about that. And uh, the only line in the sand we have right now really is the Senate. And you would say, wait a minute, Sam, we don't have control of the Senate either. No, but we have a lot of filibuster capability. We also have the ability to uh, shut things down via budgetary control, forcing them uh, to use rules and guidelines that use supermajorities, et cetera. Our only hope really is in the Senate that enough senators can dissent. Uh, you know what? Kamala, communist, Harris. Now, I can call her a communist because I'm convinced that that's what she is, and I'm entitled to my opinion. However, um, what I'm saying is that we have enough clout there if we use it right. And you say, no, we don't, Sam. They can vote us over and over um, down. and We don't have enough stoppage because all we got to do is have Kamala you know, break the tie. That's true factually, but it's not true reality. Let me explain what I mean. Yes, they've got the majority if she votes with them because she can break the tie. That's a fact, right? But what I say by reality is that the Senate oftentimes has been able to stop all kind of things, even when the Democrats didn't have control. They stopped things, stopped things, stopped things, stopped things, because enough Republicans dissented. In other words, the Republicans, a few of them betrayed us and went with, we've got to get good enough at relationships to have the Democrats in the Senate. And then, believe it or not, Democrats are not perfect, but there's many of them that will stand with us if we, you know what, really use our influence, if we really educate, if we really reach across the aisle and work with them, not in condescending ways, not in abusive ways, but in ways that, that are meaningful, because relationships matter. And Democrats, some of them, and, I, and I'll prove this to you, some of the Democrats are more budget conscientious than the Republicans are. Um, they used to call them yellow dog Democrats or old style Democrats or whatever you want to say. These are people who are Democrats, but they were in many ways more conservative, at least from a budgetary point of view, than many Republicans. The same is kind of true here, Lowell, that I think, you know what, Democrats are a different mind than the Republicans, but let's not let that divide deceive us and think we only have the people in our camp that can make a difference. We need to think broader across the political spectrum and say, listen, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I'm going to use my relationship uh, to appeal to your better senses, to say, listen, you might not like guns. You might not be a gun favorite or, you know, favor guns, but the law is the law currently. And uh, the founding fathers have put the Second Amendment in there as a kind of a do not touch thing. And anyway, I go on about this. I don't mean to go on too long, but I do want to make a, a, this really important point. Let's not be about the left-right paradigm. Let's not be about the Republicans versus the Democrats, and, man, we don't have a prayer on this earth. We can pray hard, and we can influence people with relationships, and I'm telling you, the Democrats were so good at that that they stopped many Republican agendas because they got dissenters among our ranks. And if we build relationships, we can create the same, and these will be stand-up Democrats that will defend the Constitution. These are stand-up Democrats that will go to relationship rather than party. And that's really where our, in my opinion, mojo comes from. Lowell? Yeah, two questions about that, Sam. Um, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm disagreeing with you at all. I, I do agree with you. The, the filibuster in the Senate is a tool by which the minority in the Senate can stop a bad measure from being passed. Totally agree. Um, but the thing that comes to mind was, was H.R. 1. 
uh, last week, or maybe it was this week, it, it was approved by a 50 to 49 votes. In other words, the minority, well, I, I guess I could call the Republican the minority party in this case. It's really a, an even split 50-50, but with Kamala Harris uh, being a tiebreaker there, you know, you, you could think of the Republican being the minority party in the Senate. Um, they did not stop H.R. 1 using the filibuster. And uh, I honestly don't know why they didn't do that. I, I, I'm curious, do you happen to know why, or was it not the case that, or, or is it the case that they they uh, trashed the filibuster rule uh, this, this uh, term of Congress because they, they knew they could? Do you, do you have any insight on that? I don't have insight of how they're doing things behind the scenes, no, because I'm not a senator, and I don't know exactly all the Senate rules. I understand that not only are there a lot of rules that are arcane, arbitrary, confusing, but rules change from session to session even. And so I don't really have the back-end understanding, but that's what I mean by when I talk about these relationships. That's what I mean when I talk about appealing to people's good senses across the aisle. That's what I mean about calling in favors and using your influences. Look, there's a lot of people in the House and the Senate, primarily the Senate at this point, who they've built relationships with people who you and I might disagree with and think, man, why would you have a relationship with that person? It doesn't matter. Now's the time to call in those cards. Now's the time to – and so the filibuster is a great tool, I agree. But there are other great tools about committees, uh, about um, you know how quick things come to the floor, uh, about other things that you can – uh, work on with people uh, that have maybe negative consequences, but not as bad of consequences as gutting the Second Amendment, for instance. So all I'm telling you is I don't I don't have all the knowledge behind the scenes of what the latest rules and uh, what you know they have at their fingertips. But I do know this: there are ways the Democrats in the past have stopped us from crucial things, and I'm not happy about that. But I am saying it provides a playbook for opportunity when we don't have any literal control, when we're the minority party in both the House and the Senate, and we know Joe Biden will sign and sell us down the river, but we do still have quite a bit of influence. And however those rules come out in the latest congressional session or the latest Senate rules, uh, I don't have the details. But I will say that, you know what, now's the time to use that influence because, you know what, they know. That it's a seesaw. It's a back and forth. Right now, the Democrats have control. But you know what? They didn't for a long time before, and they won't in the future. We know that that goes back and forth as, as people elect and everything else. And So influence matters, and influence can be used um, not only in public but behind the scenes. And what it takes is a few bold Demo- or Republicans to stick together and really make the case to the media in, in, in more bold ways than they ever have before, Lowell. And what I mean by that is, you know what, I've never seen several senators stick together on anything, Harvey. They all get isolated and speak out about something and two or three speak. But imagine if 15 senators came out and said, listen, we will not talk about anything and we will not discuss anything uh, except for these issues. You know what, we're going to stop gun control. Okay, we don't believe in gun control. The Second Amendment has been, uh, what, what's that word, satrosanct or whatever you want to say, for literally oh couple of hundred years in America, and we're just not going down that road. And they need to appeal to the supreme law of the land. They need to appeal that Congress doesn't have authority 
got the Second Amendment. That's the kind of focus we need to have. When we come back, we'll finish up on that. But I will tell you this, how the fight over American freedom will probably escalate is going to be a sad tale, but directly related. We'll talk about it with Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, in seconds on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Polls show most Americans support the federal COVID-19 relief bill, but if they knew what was in it, they might feel differently. Section 1005 of the bill offers socially disadvantaged farm owners total debt forgiveness up to hundreds of thousands of no-strings-attached dollars per farmer. The qualification for the support by the federal government is that you cannot be a white-skinned farmer. Treating white farmers like second-class citizens violates the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Since Hong Kong began vaccinating the public with China's domestically produced Sinovac COVID-19 vaccine called Coronavac, three deaths in nine days have increased anxiety about the vaccine's safety. Monday, a 71-year-old man in Hong Kong died four days after receiving his vaccine shot. The patient was reported to be in good health before the vaccination. It is estimated under 5% of China's population has been vaccinated. We are USA Radio News. It's happened. Since Election Day, more than 5 million people have downloaded the free Newsmax TV app from their smartphone store. It takes seconds, and with the free app, you can watch Newsmax TV right away. Most cable news channels require a paid subscription, not Newsmax. You get real news whenever you want. At home, Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems, and it's free on OTT devices. Your smart TVs like Samsung, LG, Vizio, and Roku, YouTube, Zumo, and Pluto. Now, the free smartphone app lets you watch Newsmax easily wherever you are. So check Newsmax.com online for breaking headlines. Then go to the Newsmax TV app to watch the latest news with Sebastian Gorka, Dick Morris, Greg Kelly, Diamond and Silk, Michelle Malkin, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, and so much more. Newsmax is already the fourth highest rated cable news channel in America. Everyone is watching Newsmax because it's real news for real people. More on the U.S.-Mexico border immigration crisis, Dan Naraki reports. Following a report that U.S. Customs and Border Protection encountered more than 100,000 migrants along the southern border in February, one senator is demanding answers from the Biden administration. Missouri Republican Josh Hawley sent a letter to the White House calling for a hearing on Capitol Hill so senators can ask DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas about the administration's plan for dealing with the issue. Hawley tells Fox News that with a lack of information coming from the White House, participating in a hearing is the least they could do. This administration's policies are acting as a magnet, and they are creating a full-blown humanitarian crisis at the border. Trafficking is up through the roof. It is through the roof, the exploitation of children, and this administration is doing nothing. They're looking the other way, and as you say, President, he won't even have a news conference. I mean, he won't answer any questions at all. The least he can do is actually send his administration chiefs to, to Capitol Hill and make them answer questions. What are they going to do about this crisis? USA Radio News. Radio. 
on your radio with me. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic on this faith-filled, freedom-loving, fantastic Friday. I am live from the road. Thanks for your patience with me on that. I meant to bring my mixer, and you wouldn't have even known the difference because I would have sounded like I was in studio. But, of course, leave it to me to forget it, right? I brought everything else, man. My microphones, headphones, cables, everything. Connectivity to the Internet, several different kind of connections for backup, phones and cell phones and everything else to make sure I can get on the air. But, dur, I forget the heart of the whole operation, the mixer. Uh, leave it to me. Now, that's why I need my wife. All right, I digress. <laughs> Lowell Nelson campaign for liberty with me. So we got to really jettison these uh, uh, bills that are designed to gut our Second Amendment. Lowell, the Democrats are going for broke on this thing, but I submit they're overreaching. And if they simply uh, obliterate us and ignore us and relationships don't matter and we can't stop them, then they will overreach and pay in 22. Lowell? Um, my second question about this, Sam, is a philosophical one. Maybe it's a constitutional question. I was just thinking about that. Uh, this morning, and uh, wondering to myself, you know, if a bill passes Congress, uh, uh, does it actually affect the people of the states, or should it? In other words, the founders, the, the framers of the Constitution, those who ratified the Constitution, established a, a government. Um, uh, they, they represented their states, and they established this general government, and they put all legislating, rulemaking power in the Congress. And um, basically, the general government was to enforce... No, but, um, I, but, I, but I want to stop you before you even go on, because I think you just kind of committed a falsehood. And I don't think okay. you intended to, and I, but let me explain. You just said all legislative or lawmaking powers in the Congress. That's not true. Okay, what is true is all lawmaking authority related to the delegated responsibilities of Congress. So they yeah. don't have lawmaking authority to reach into the states and violate state constitutions. There's 50 of them, by the way. And they don't have the legal uh, opportunity or the moral responsibility to violate those state constitutions. And so remember the separations of powers. Yes, they have the right to delegate all legislative powers is in Congress, but only related to their sphere, to their sovereignty. So there's dual sovereigns in America. There's the states and there's the federal or the general government. They don't have the right to violate their sovereignty reach and reach down into the states for things that we have not delegated to them. So I agree that on the checks and balances on the, uh, let me say this, the horizontal level, yeah, they can't, legis I mean, they can't ex execute and they can't be the judiciary, but they also can't reach into the states in a dual sovereign scenario and take legislative power that violates states' constitutions. They don't have authority. That's why the states have constitutions and the federal government has a constitution, uh, because there's different delegated jurisdictional boundaries that we, the people, have set, sir. So I, I, don't, I don't mean Excellent. to stop you and argue with the point, but I want to highlight this principle, because if we say all and we let that stand, then you've already lost the, the discussion. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the point that, uh, that I was making, Sam. Perfectly put. Um, oh, I'm in sorry. other words, feel the thunder. No, no, no. That's great. Um, I, that's exactly what what I was hoping to um, to tease out of this discussion um, is the is the idea, the concept that the general government has authority for only those matters given to them by the state. And gun regulation I'm gonna was call not it one bounded. I'm going to call it bounded delegation of limited authority. Mm -hmm. 
And yes, yeah. they have all legislative power over that bounded limit authority. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so if they pass a law that uh, says that um, firearms sellers, you know, stores have to do background checks on people before they are allowed to sell a weapon to the people, that particular measure of Congress is not constitutional. And in other words, they don't have well, the authority. On. Hold on. It is constitutional. If we're talking about the 10 miles square, then they can say that if they want to. And they have all yeah. power to decide that for this 10-mile area. And the state should just snicker and go, you guys are goofy. I don't know why you take guns out of your 10-mile area. Doesn't apply to me, thank you. We have a state constitution that you guys tried to violate, and it isn't going to happen on our watch. <laughs> exactly, Sam. That's exactly the point that uh, that I'm making here. And, and, and the, the problem is that even though we agree on, on that, most, you know, 99% of the people in our country, they don't understand this important point, which is exactly why we're talking about it right here, because we're hoping that everybody in the country will be listening to this show, this radio show, and, and come up to speed on this point. It's so very important. It's absolutely critical, because this measure from Congress, the uh, H.R. 8 and 1446, if they pass, they should be flatly ignored by the 50 states, by the people in the 50 states, because they do not apply to the gun owners, the store owners, to the people of the 50 states. And unless you're in an area like the 10 square miles of the District of Columbia or in a magazine, a Ford or Enclave that's been ceded to the general government of the, for the United States, then they, they simply do not apply. But the problem is everybody doesn't have that common understanding yet, Sam. That's what we need to talk about. We need to educate one another on this very important point, Sam. Wow. It's a great point. The only question left now is do the states have the guts to stand up and to say you're not going to violate our state constitutions, and we have legislative power as well. And if you don't believe us, ladies and gentlemen, if you think we don't know what we're talking about with regards to this, then my response is why do states have constitutions? Answer, because the state and the federal government were delegated certain jurisdictional authority and power. The federal government was limited and defined, whereas the states had a lot less limitations, and it was a lot less defined. It was to the states or to the people, respectively, if you look at the Tenth Amendment. But the states have their own constitutions, and if they don't have authority within their own sphere, then why do each state have different detailed constitutions? They're not identical across the country, folks, because there's authority. And furthermore, to make matters even more clear for you, there's a separation of powers, the judicial, the legislative, and the executive that occurs on the general or the federal level, but it also occurs on the state level. May I ask you, what authority of legislative power does a state legislative body have? The answer relating to their constitution and their jurisdictional reality to their citizens. And so these dual sovereigns must be understood Richard Mack's Tenth Amendment case highlights this perfectly, by the way. It's one of the greatest Tenth Amendment decisions ever known uh, in the country, but especially in modern times. But, well, this clearly helps people understand there are vertical and horizontal checks and balances in the republic that must be understood. And then we must have elected officials who have the guts to stand up and demand 
their jurisdictional authority and demand that, look, this is not happening in the state of Utah or Idaho or, you know, Florida, wherever you are. We're going to stand up and say, you're not doing this in my state. We have a right to keep and bear arms. And you goofy folks at the general level can uh, try to push back, try to claim different, but we're not going to allow it. And Richard Mack stood on that very principle and beat Bill Clinton at the Supreme Court. Now, Bill Clinton tried to say, we're going to arrest you, Sheriff Richard Mack, if you don't do what we say. And Sheriff said, no, sir, I won't. And when it came down to it, Richard Mack went in the courts. That is really critical, especially with what we're talking about right now, Lowell. That's a great point, Sam. I really like the legislation that the state of Wyoming passed in 2014. They said that if a state agent is caught enforcing any provision of federal gun control, he would be subject to $5,000 fine and one year in prison, and that if any federal official or federal agent was caught attempting to enforce any provision, gun control provision, of the federal government, they would be subject to a $10,000 fine and up to two years in prison. And that is a state exercising its authority. Um, and I don't think that, um, you know, they, they, they I, I don't think that they are enforcing the, you know, the federal gun control provisions in the state of Wyoming because the state of Wyoming exercised its own sovereignty, its own authority and said, not in our house. And so I just hold that up as an example. I think all the states, liberty-minded states, need to do that to protect the rights of their own people in their states, Sam. And I guess I don't know how to respond except for I pray that we really get this done. And, you know, we really need to kind of discuss how the fight over American freedom will probably unfold or escalate, if you will. Brandon Smith, like... Ammon Bundy and others, like Sam Bushman, like Lil Nelson and others, are speaking out boldly about these very issues. And let's talk about how things are likely to escalate and unfold and what we can do peacefully to resolve. time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. American Sam Bushman, Lone Nelson Campaign for Liberty.org Live. So, ladies and gentlemen, the battle's on. There's Democrats and the socialists and the communists and the ne'er do wells that want to destroy the greatest country on the face of the earth. They're going for broke, as Lowell said right before the pause. So, you know what? There's a flurry of attacks against your God given inalienable right of self defense. We got to stand up, ladies and gentlemen. Brandon Smith writes an incredible article The Fight Over American Freedom will probably escalate. I hate to say that, uh, but how is it going to happen, Lowell? Well, you know, I like his article, Sam, because he's optimistic. He, 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 he takes a different tack or he has a different perspective on the happenings in the world. For example, this uh, coronavirus uh, uh, scamdemic that's sweeping the globe and has for about a year, you know, they predicted uh, 65 million deaths from the coronavirus outbreak. Well, just over a year has passed since the pandemic went international, and the official death count stands at about two and a half million. So that's like 30 times less or 30 times fewer people, fortunately, have died from COVID than they anticipated. And so what, what does that really mean? Well, um, let, let's remember that there's, there's roughly, you know, between two and a half to three million people die from uh, you know, just normally from you know flus and and uh, and, and diphtheria and, and so forth uh, tuberculosis every year and so it's, the numbers are, are right in line with what's normal. In other words, this outbreak, this COVID thing, did not pan out the way the globalists wanted it to. And so the death rate for COVID is 0.26 percent, far below the institute you know, the, the, the way they predicted it to happen. So why, so, so that's number one. That's a piece of good news. That's much better than the, the globalists anticipated or what they predicted. There's also a lot of mass public resistance to vaccinations and, and to medical passports. This is probably the reason, according to Brandon, why they rushed out the vaccines just in so quickly in the span of six months rather than and taking those five to seven years that they normally take to develop a vaccine because they wanted as many people as possible to take these experimental gene therapy, chemotherapy vaccines before the citizens realized that COVID is a nothing burger. <laughs> I like that term, nothing burger. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the next bit of good news is that not a lot of people are excited about taking 
the vaccine. And so the fear of this coronavirus, it's waning. That's the third piece of good news. Um, you know, nobody's really concerned about it. I, I walk around in my circle of friends, my circle of influence. Nobody's wearing masks. We don't, we don't, we're not, we're not uh, fearful of one another. Um, and so that, that's, you know, the public is growing very weary of masks. And we have these many, many states, over 10, 15 states now, have, are dropping their mask mandates and, and stopping the lockdowns. And so those states that stop these lockdowns and eliminate the masks, their economy is going to boom. And so now we, we, we you know, Brandon gets into a little bit of his predictive uh, self here and talking about what's going to happen. Well, the states that don't lock down, that don't have mask mandates, they're going to be demonized by the states who do. And we'll probably have more reason for civil strife here in our country than ever before. And so then you've got Congress bearing down on us with a Biden gun crackdown, and uh, they're going to try to push really hard to take guns out of the hands of people, and the people are not going to give up their guns. And so what's going to happen? Well, you're going to have a fight on your hands. And so Brandon Smith is simply theorizing here, looking into his glass ball and thinking that, you know what, it's going to be a lot of people uh, who refuse to give up their weapons against a lot of people who think that you should be forced to give up your weapon. And, um, you know, it might turn into some, uh, 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 some, some civil war here. A successful rebellion against globalism in America, he ends his column, writing, will lead to rebellions elsewhere, but the fact remains that if we lose this battle here in this country, then no one else in other countries around the world will even dare lift a finger. And so, Sam, this battle is ours to take. The future is in our hands right here in the U.S. of A., we need to, to stop the globalists from their demonic plans here so that we can have freedom everywhere on the planet for the rest of God's children. Sam? I don't know how to respond except to say this. The battle will escalate because when immoral people are at the helm and they have control and they're seeking for power and they're seeking to deny us of our God-given rights and liberties, uh, I hate to say this, but it's time for Americans to stand up. And I want peaceful restoration. I want peaceful solutions. The only question left is, will they let us? And if they demand too much power, and if they decide to try to steamroll the American people, it isn't going to be pretty, it isn't going to be peaceful, and it isn't going to be fun. I don't want that. I'm not predicting that. I'm just telling you that there's lines they cannot cross. And if they do, uh, it will be difficult in America. And it might take blood to bring back liberties. I don't want that to be the case. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just telling you the reality that when good people do nothing long enough and wicked people lord over them, at some point it boils over. And the way to solve it is for the American people to use the legislative responsibilities they have through their representatives to stop it. And if the representatives don't, they need to find new ones. And if they can't, at some point, the violation of the law by the wicked people who are seeking for power and gain at the expense of the rest of us, they're the ones that are at fault. They're the ones that uh, have the responsibility to stand down. And if they don't, they're the ones then that will be responsible uh, for any direct action that must be taken uh, to quell their belligerence and to stop their assertions 
of authority that they do not have consent to obtain. So I'll put it that way. That's as peaceful as I know how to say it. I remain peaceful, and I advocate for peaceful solutions. Let's do this before the end of the hour. We want to wrap on the 2021 or 2021 legislative agenda in the state of Utah as the general session, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, Lowell, I want you just to summarize this, and I, we need more time for this, but do your best in the remaining minutes we've got, will you? Happy to do so, Sam. Overall, I don't think we lost a lot of liberty this session. In fact, I think we regained a few liberties here in the state of Utah this session. We didn't go far enough in some cases, but I am um, giving the legislature a C-plus grade, you know, slightly above average this year. One disappointment was the lack of uh, real election reform, uh, whereas I wanted to return to paper ballots uh, to get rid of the electronic machinery, cast the ballots in person, count those ballots, you know, that very night in every precinct in the state, and by three election judges who are watched by poll watchers. I mean, that's, that's what we did 20, 30, 40 years ago. It worked great. And... Um, and get rid of voting by mail. But, see, none of those uh, actual reforms happened. There was some tweaking around the edges, but no real reform. So that was a disappointment. Another disappointment was the reform of the Emergency Powers Act. Uh, didn't go far enough, although we did make some ground there. We took some power out of the hands of our, uh, out of our uh, uh, boards of health, the state boards of health and the county boards of health, and a little bit out of the power of the governor, the hand of the governor, and shifted some of that power over to the legislature. And I view that as a good thing. I don't think we went far enough, but at least we went in the right direction there. <clears throat> now, the legislature approved over 500 bills this general session, which ended a week ago, 10 days ago on Friday. I followed about 40 of them, and I'm just going to highlight some of the good bills that were approved. Well, constitutional carry was approved and signed by the governor in the state of Utah. And that means that you're not going to get uh, cited for carrying a weapon underneath your coat because, you know, it, just because you don't have a permit to do so. That's a good thing. Um, state universities cannot require proof of vaccination, um, and you know, unless exemptions are available. That's a good thing. That's the same law we have in K through 12 that was extended on upwards through all university at, at, you know, state universities. So that was a good thing. Um, and, then, and also, government cannot require a person to receive a COVID-19 vaccine in the state of Utah. So that was a good change. That was a, sort of like uh, we, we have to have that bill, and it, it did pass. So there were some good things that happened, and those are a few of them. There were some, some good bills also that were killed. And, and here I want to make a point about these puberty-blocking uh, actions taken by parents and doctors on their underage adolescents and, and, and teenagers and adolescents. This is a horrible practice that's occurring right here in Utah. Over 500 young uh, w uh, men and women are, are going through this, this uh, gender-bending uh, chemical uh, treatment here in the state of Utah. Some are mutilating themselves. Well, they're not mutilating themselves. Their parents are mutilating the child. And I call that, I call that, you know, child abuse. And we tried to get a bill, HB 92, passed that would make that illegal in the state of Utah, but that failed because our legislators are 
don't have enough backbone, they don't have enough courage, they haven't heard enough from our citizenry to stand up in defense of the children of Utah. And so this, this mutilation and maiming of the human body will continue here in the state of Utah because legislators did not have the courage to stand up against it. I will note that the Alabama Senate made hormone therapy and surgery for trans kids a felony. I applaud them for that. Did you know, Sam, that individuals who bend their gender are 20 times more likely to commit suicide than the rest of the population? I think that is amazing statistic. Um, one other thing that we did not do... Well, and the real reason Utah, why, Lowell, let's just be clear, the real reason why is because when you turn against God's laws that males are males and females are females and male and female created he them, that when you turn your back on that, <clears throat> then that reality check from God... You're on your own. When you're on your own, things just don't go well, my friend. Yeah, you're exactly right. Another bill that did not pass in Utah was the bill that would uh, stop males from who identify as females uh, from competing in women's sports. Um, that uh, was a very good bill, but it uh, got watered down, got watered down, finally failed to pass. I, I will note that the Mississippi legislature voted overwhelmingly to ban biological males from competing against women, 81 to 28 in their House and 34 to 9 in their Senate. So I applaud the legislature of Mississippi for, for the passage of that measure there. Uh, I know this show goes all across the country, Sam, and so, uh, you know, the Mississippians should, should uh, pat themselves on the back for that measure. And the rest of us, we need to work harder because it's not right for biological males to be competing against their counter, their female counterparts. Well, Sam, I realize our time is gone, but that was just kind of a quick summary of the good and the bad here in the state of Utah, this legislative session. Sam? Lowell Godspeed, thank you so much for your incredible work, my friend. We'll talk soon on Monday. It will be have a delightful weekend. For Sam you too, and Lowell you. Nelson, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Donate today. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio, hearkening so that was news to you, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for Friday, March 12th, of the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two in our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution for the United States of America is indeed our guide. The checks and balances put in place by the founders, brilliant. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration 
of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. The good doctor just walked in. Welcome, Dr. Scott Bradley. Well, thank you very much, and um, I hope everyone is having a gorgeous day. We've got blue skies. It's a low 20s, but um, I have to give you that weather report, so if you're away in Florida someplace or you know, you have uh, some warm and comfortable environment. You can kind of congratulate yourself for being wise enough to be there. <laughs> yes, but you know what I like about the cold is usually the ne'er-do-wells don't come hunt you down when they have to go through a bunch of rocky mountains and they got to go up in the cold. and They're going to go bug somebody else, aren't they, Doctor? Well, there's a lot of truth to that. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't understand. If you get cold, put more clothes on. I mean, sometimes if it's really, really hot, there's almost nothing you can do. Let's say your air conditioning is not working. It's just sweltering. I mean, in the cold, you just dress for it, you know, and, and you deal with it. And that, that's kind of what we in the cold country uh, have done all our lives. But uh, to some people, just the thought that something might be cold is, uh, is chilling to their ideas. Let's put it that way. Well, I wish we could be chilling to the ideas of socialism and communism, but they seem to be live and well and flourishing uh, in America to our peril. I'll say that, ladies and gentlemen. But there's a lot going on that me and Dr. Scott Bradley need to talk about. Um, last hour, we talked a little bit about this with Lowell Nelson, but I want to dig into it in much more detail with a good doctor. Headline, gunning for you. It starts, Dr. Bradley. You know what? The Democrats are kicking off their campaign against the Second Amendment and uh, in a flurry of attacks against your right of God-given inalienable self-defense. The U.S. House is doubling down with two bills to steal your rights, uh, but they haven't even begun the strikes that Joe Biden will lead over the next couple of years. It might be Joe. It might be Kamala. Who knows? It might be in tandem. It might be an invisible hand as Joe's not able to think for himself. I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, they're going for broke, aren't they, sir? Well, indeed they are. In fact, yesterday the House passed two anti-gun bills. Um, both of them have to do with, um, uh, you know, your background checks. One of them uh, requires background checks on all transactions. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not a, a licensed uh, dealer, you and, and we could go into a lot of the nuances of that. But the license, if you're not a licensed dealer, you got to take it through a licensed dealer to um, pass a handgun on, with the exception of basically uh, within a relative. You know, you could give your son a shotgun for his birthday or something. And if you're at the shooting range and somebody wants to try out your rifle, you could do that and have it handed back to you. But but the fact of the matter is that they're looking for having all, and they, call, they claim that this will save thousands of lives. And the, the other one that also passed extended the three-day uh, background check deadline to 10 days. And, uh, and so, again, these are incremental things. Uh, the one hope that is, is uh, still in our hearts, I guess, with this, with uh, the buffoons that we have, attempting to govern at this time, like the Paris Commune that we talk about so much in the 1871 period with the uh, communists in Paris. At any rate, the, the hope that we have is that this 60-vote cloture thing will, uh, will prevent them from being um, uh, voted on and approved in the Senate. Schumer has promised that they will both come to the floor of the, of the Senate 
and they will have a hearing. And uh, of course, if if uh, basically it's not a complete not a complete bifurcation um, in the House, but by and large, the Republicans voted against these things, and the Democrats voted for them. But if the Republicans hold fast in the Senate and and don't start jumping ship, but there has been uh, uh, quite a number, a growing number, you know, the Murkowskis and the Collins and the Romneys of the world that have, uh, you know, kind of uh, lent their voice to the agenda of the Democrats. At any rate, if if they don't get the 60-vote culture, it will not be voted on. Now, there's a, a moving in that direction that, that has been, it started really pretty strongly during the Obama years. Trump continued it in some issues, and uh, I would suspect that there's going to be trickery and chicanery to, to try and get rid of that culture thing, which is a real protection against um, d- democracy and the quote-unquote majority rule that violates uh, direct principles. So, Anyway, that's kind of where we are with those, and yes, indeed, they did pass them yesterday. So uh, the march is on. The march is on, ladies and gentlemen. The issues are clear. Now, it's sad that the House passed them, uh, and it's sad that it's turned into such partisan uh, politics, etc. cetera. Uh, the senators don't really have the stopping power they hope to have, um, uh, the Democrats might push for uh, just a majority. They might dispense with some of their rules to get it passed. They might use all kinds of other unique rules and guidelines that they can on the fly make up and change, et cetera. That may be a problem, but we need to fight this in the Senate right now while we have a chance. And I mentioned last hour to Lowell, and I'll mention it again. I think that there's a lot of influence that people can have, uh, we the people, but senators particularly, to reach across the island, a lot of Democrats believe in God-given constitutional rights, too. Not all of them. Some of them are just wholesale communists. But there are a Democrats that we can reach out across the aisle and work with. It's the swamp against us. It's not the Democrats versus the Republicans. I know it seems so partisan like that, but we can break a lot of that partisanship with relationships and with reaching across the aisle and appealing to some people's better senses. And the way I know this is back in the budget days of discussions, I know we've just jettisoned all budget common sense now, but back in the budgetary days, there were a lot of Democrats that were very conservative, budgetarily speaking. Um, and they said, you know what, we're like the yellow dog Democrats or whatever. We don't want to spend into oblivion like many of the Republicans do. And they created kind of some, they forged some alliances across those Republican Democratic lines that made a difference. We can do this again on gun control as well. That's one line of defense, Dr. Well, you know, the, your your statement about the old and the new Democrat Party is, are, are very accurate. Um, I'll give you an example of something that there's worlds of difference. Back in the 1960s, um, the Democrat Party was, you know, kind of known as the blue-collar party, the people that were looking out for the union jobs and the, the American worker and all that kind of stuff. And the party was dead set against illegal immigration. I mean, it, they, they were uh, – <laughs> it was almost uh, – blindingly so comparison to what even the most ardent Trump supporter is today. And, uh, and they, I mean, there was, there was acts of violence that happened against illegal immigrants and they were led by people that were very much aligned with the Democrat party. And, uh, over the few, uh, recent years, there has been a move to that because, uh, demographically, and I think they've pretty well proven statistically 
that those that become, you know, first-time voters uh, that have, have come to the country illegally and then become, uh, you know, uh, citizens, and even those that aren't citizens now are voting, but but the fact of the matter is almost they're almost a sure thing vote vote for the Democrat side. And, uh, you know, there's there's different numbers out there. A lot of the official numbers say that there's like 11 or 12 million illegals in the country today. I do not believe that for a nanosecond. I think it's more like three times that amount. But even a middle ground of 20-some-odd million uh, voters uh, that, that would be getting, you know, that, that come into the country that are illegal and then they get their citizenship based upon the track that the Democrats currently are looking for, you know, giving not only amnesty but citizenship to those 20-something million that's a middle ground of the estimates, that would provide far greater, far greater uh, margin of uh, success on, on the biggest dis- disparity between uh, presidential candidates that's ever happened. I mean, I think that, uh, I think I read the other day that there was like s- the biggest disparity was 17 million votes between the winner and the loser in a, uh, a given election. But if you get 22, 25, whatever million the number is, the, the Republicans are never going to win again. And, and the, the Democrat Party has absolutely put their, their weight behind this. So, yeah, their positions do shift. Um, and whether it's a Second Amendment issue, the right to keep and bear arms, whether it's an immigration issue, whether it's a religion issue, um, but there's a flat-out, uh, complete abandonment of everything based upon U.S. principle that was established in the origin, origin of this nation and, uh, oh, there's bills out there right now to uh, get rid of religious liberty. There's gender bender bills. There's things that nobody could have possibly conceived of, you know, when I was young. I mean, it's just complete abandonment of all sanity. Yeah, even when so, I was young, just a short generation ago, you're right. It's right on that. The other line of self-defense I have is, you know what? We've got um, jurisdictional boundaries. Okay, and that's horizontal and vertical, these checks and balances that matter. The states have their own constitutions that defend the right to keep and bear arms as well. And even if the federal goes off rails, the states can nullify now and say, we're not going to allow you to violate our state constitutions. We'll talk about that with Dr. Scott Bradley in a second. His website, freedomsrisingsun.com. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads, a divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit ToPreserveTheNation.com to begin that restoration. 
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Alright, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley in the house. FreedomsRisingSun.com, his website. That's FreedomsRisingSun.com. Incredibly weekly webinars and more. Q&As on the Constitution. Uh, his incredible curriculum to preserve the nation. It's a collegiate curriculum for homeschoolers and anybody who wants to understand the Constitution. A DVD stand-up lectures, a book, a work uh, guide, and et cetera, to help you get a handle on it. FreedomsRisingSun.com for that. The live webinars and over a thousand videos, uh, ladies and gentlemen, helping you understand the sacred cause to which we're engaged. That is the cause of liberty. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Dr. Scott Bradley is riding shotgun on the show today. He'll be with me Fridays and Mondays, second hour, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on the road. Thanks for your patience with me, by the way. And uh, all kinds of things are happening. But I want to highlight, really, our right to keep and bear arms is really, really important. The Democrats are going... Uh, hardcore against it. Right before the pause, we talked about these separation of powers and how they're obliterating it on the federal level. But you know what? One of our great ways to stop that is to build bridges and realize, appeal to our friends and people who we know, even if we disagree, Republican, Democrat, whatever else, let's stand together on something. And I think relationships can make that difference on the federal level. But you know what? we got another horizontal check and balance, uh, which is important to understand as well. You know, vertical and horizontal checks and balances in America. The states can stand up and nullify now and say, you know what, I appreciate that you guys just legislated guns out of existence in the 10-mile square called Washington, D.C., but you know what, that doesn't apply to us out here in the states. We have our own constitution. We have our own legislative bodies. And you know what, they have power within the states as dual sovereigns. They have their own jurisdictional reality. And we're not letting you do this in our state. And we're going to stand on not letting you violate anybody violate, for that matter, our state constitutions. Doctor, let's start there. Well, indeed, and we do need to spend more time on nullification because truly it is to, it has been slandered and betrayed, and, and there's been a, an absolute effort to subvert that sound constitutional principle. But let me just mention, you talk about the right to keep and bear arms. Forty-four states have included in their constitution the recognition of the right to keep and bear arms. Thirty-one of those states explicitly recognize that right as an individual right, and they often mention it as a self-defense. There's a reason. And six states, by the way, don't explicitly recognize the right to keep and bear arms in their constitutions. But 44, is, is, uh, they've got them written in. And, and so there's a, a sound foundation, and this 
this issue needs to be protected at the state level. Now, um, last night in my uh, webinar that we do every Thursday evening, uh, that came up as one of the questions about nullification. Can the states, you know, interpose, if you will, when the general government uh, gets out of whack? And and I spent uh, some time on that. I, I haven't looked at the length of that response, but if you go to freedomsrisingsun.com, uh, there's a uh, video posted now that uh, uh, answers that question that someone brought up during during the webinar. But but the fact of the matter is, this sound principle was very very uh, amazingly expressed and and uh, explained by both Madison and, and Jefferson, you know, the father of the Constitution and the principal author of the Declaration. And uh, and it's besmirched as something that's racist. It's and we could address that at, at length. And and the reality of it is that uh, nullification was used most often, probably a hundred times more often, to uh, subvert and and uh, deflect slavery than any other subject. I mean, nullification during the pre-Civil War era era was very much used to protect against that being slavery and. Um, and so it is something that was understood. Many try to promote the idea that nullification was, you know, basically overthrown by the Civil War. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Both Jefferson and Madison felt that nullification was an act of love, an act of love for the country that they loved. And they said it was the means by which those that love the principles upon which this nation was established can prevent both rebellion and secession. And it, what happens is if the, if the general government keeps its actions within the proper bounds, then we all stay together and everybody's happy and, and we're a nation. But if they don't, there has to be another interposition there, and nullification is one of them. By the way, um, it was clearly expressed, and, and people need to understand this, because there's, there's many that say, uh, oh, Madison was against nullification. And, and in fact, Madison was against nullification when it was improperly applied. And I'll give you an example of what they said was proper and improper. Uh, if, and, and this was their, their rule, if a power was delegated to the general government through the United States Constitution, so it is a delegated power, and we could use the abominable tariffs, for example, that came in in the 19, 1820s, uh, the national general government did have and does have the power to impose tariffs. But what happened was that the general government began to overstep anything that was just and reasonable in that. And, and so South Carolina sought to nullify it. Well, Madison spoke out against that because it was a delegated power to the general government, and it had to be corrected in the ballot box. If, if the general government has the power, you can't nullify. That's the point. If the general government does now, not hold on, have let the me power, just jump in here really quick, Doctor, to kind of make this point. The federal government has tremendous power, but very narrowly defined. And in the Constitution, and then the, uh, it articulates specifically what powers they have. So they're enumerated, but defined and limited, and anything outside of the scope they don't have. But there's also a check and balance on when they have that authority. There's a line where when they abuse that authority, 
they can be reined in as well. And you're mentioning that the people at the ballot box can rein that in. These are important things to understand. They're narrow scope. Yes, they have tremendous power, but they don't have authority to unlimitedly abuse that power either. That is correct. And, and so those that say that uh, James Madison was against nullification are ignorant, deceived, or deceivers. I mean, they can only be one of three. So uh, Madison did speak against it when it was improperly applied. But if the general government oversteps and begins to usurp power, undelegated power, and apply it, at that point, nullification becomes the appropriate solution. And, and so what we have, and it's a very clear-cut situation in the, in the Second Amendment, for example, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay? And, and, of course, the Tenth Amendment says if we didn't delegate to the general government a, a level of power, it does not have it. End of discussion. And it says in the Ninth Amendment that even if we didn't mention a right that the people have, they still retain it. So, so there are instances where the general government has a specific authority. Like, for example, uh, uh, and we could talk about this in the 42nd Federalist Paper, but immigration, that that had to be held by the general government. Okay? And, and we can explain why that was important and, and why this, this immigration thing needs to be uh, something that the general government is involved in. But... <laughs> if states yeah, are and the two-second two reason is that the federal government is, is designed to deal with foreign affairs as the states are to do with local affairs, right? That's right. But states do have a power to engage in war if invaded, and uh, it doesn't admit delay, okay? And that happened in 1916, by the way, when Pancho Villa and his gang came across the U.S. border from Mexico and were rampaging around, and the people in, in town says, the heck you say? And they had a pitched gun battle. I mean, this was something that the local people could respond to. So anyway, the, the, point, the point of the matter being that the, the general government has specific delegated authorities, and all others that are rightfully held are held by the states. Now, let me just clarify something real quick before the break. Some Tenth Amendment people uh, claim that the states can do anything they want because the Tenth Amendment says, you know, everything else is held by the states and the people. Well, that's not true. The baseline premise of proper government is, is outlined in the Declaration of Independence, where it, it says, you know, we have God-given rights, it outlines a few, and then it says it's the purpose of government to secure those rights. So it doesn't say it's the purpose of the general government or the state government or the county government or the municipal government. No, it says the purpose of government is to secure those God-given rights. So if a state, under the guise of the Tenth Amendment, begins to do things which are improper, such as violate the Second Amendment or, or to begin implementing redistribution of wealth through socialism and so on and so forth, which steals from one and gives to another, that violates the baseline premise of what proper government is, is noted as in the Declaration, to secure God-given rights. And the rights. proper role of so government, state, ladies and gentlemen, also acknowledges God-given rights, and government is only there to protect those God-given rights. And if they do anything else, they run criminal. We'll talk about that with a good doctor, Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com in seconds. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. 
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden announced in an address to the nation Thursday that he is directing states, tribes, and territories to ensure everyone is eligible for COVID-19 vaccination by May 1st. Thanks to President Trump's Operation Warp Speed and three coronavirus vaccines in record time, that will be achievable. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's alleged mistreatment of women is moving up the legal chain. Thursday, the Albany Police Department got involved in a case focusing on the sixth accuser that Cuomo allegedly groped at the governor's mansion. As the list of lawmakers telling Cuomo to resign from office continues to grow, Mr. Cuomo said he won't, and he has done nothing wrong. It could become a crime to taunt a police officer in Kentucky under a bill that passed the state Senate. The bill passed the Kentucky Senate 2211 on Thursday and now awaits House input. Under the legislation, anyone who accosts, insults, taunts, or challenges a law enforcement officer could face up to 90 days in jail and fines. USA Radio News. It's happened. Since Election Day, more than 5 million people have downloaded the free Newsmax TV app from their smartphone store. It takes seconds, and with the free app, you can watch Newsmax TV right away. Most cable news channels require a paid subscription, not Newsmax. You get real news whenever you want. At home, Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems, and it's free on OTT devices. Your smart TVs like Samsung, LG, Vizio, and Roku, YouTube, Zumo, and Pluto. Now, the free smartphone app lets you watch Newsmax easily wherever you are. So check Newsmax.com online for breaking headlines. Then go to the Newsmax TV app to watch the latest news with Sebastian Gorka, Dick Morris, Greg Kelly, Diamond and Silk, Michelle Malkin, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, and so much more. Newsmax is already the fourth highest rated cable news channel in America. Everyone is watching Newsmax because it's real news for real people. The United States House of Representatives are moving ahead with legislation aimed at your right to bear arms. Wendy King from the Pacific Northwest USA Radio News Bureau reports. The House has passed a pair of measures aimed at tightening background checks for the sale and transfer of firearms. Lawmakers voted to approve the Bipartisan Background Checks Act which would require background checks on all commercial gun sales, while also voting to pass a measure aimed at extending the review period required to purchase a firearm. The National Rifle Association denounced the House action on Thursday and argued Congress instead should be approving gun rights measures. President Biden on Thursday signed his $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package into law. The feds have now spent $5 trillion in the last year fighting the virus that originated in Wuhan, China. The bill signing was originally planned for Friday afternoon, but was moved up a day after the bill arrived at the White House following the House vote on Wednesday. Thanks for listening and TGIF. We are USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back to be alive. I am Sam Bushman. This is Indies the Free Round Table Live. This is Dr. Scott Bradley riding Scott on the show today. FreedomVisingSun.com is website. And I mentioned that we've got these checks and balances, ladies and gentlemen. And not only do governments have an obligation via the Declaration of Independence to defend uh, the principles of honest, proper government of defending rights of the people, understand that rights come from God. The Declaration of Independence makes this well-known as well. Not from government. And if government protects those rights, it is the proper role of government. If government, though, becomes unprotective of those rights, then government becomes an evil that must be dealt with and stopped. Now, I agree that we can't jettison government for light and transient purposes, but at the same time, we have an obligation to understand that rights come from God to us. We, the people, are sovereign, 
and government derives its just power from our consent. And by that very reality, that means we do have the power. We consent to delegate for appropriate reasons, and we delegate to certain groups, the federal government or the general government, very limited in scope, authority. We delegate to the states, broader, but again, authority. Uh, But we really, as the people, maintain that authority. If they carry out our consent via the documents, the guidelines, the certificate of responsibility, if you will, then they're, they're authorized. But if they violate that scope of delegation, we have to stop them, doctor. You know, let's spend just a moment or two on that uh, consent of the governed. Um, there, there are many today that believe that, that if you have an election and you put somebody in office, and you could name any one of many dozens uh, today, that have taken office that are seeking to bring about a, a form of government that's, that's illegal, null, and void, that's unconstitutional in the United States, a socialist government that redistributes wealth, you know, and, and takes, seizes power and control over the means of production and distribution. Okay, so, so people say, well, we elected them, you know, and, and majority rules and all this kind of thing, and, and so suddenly now they're creating laws that are in abject violation of, of the foundation, both your state and your uh, general government constitutions. And so the consent of the governed is not obtained in, in every election. The consent of the governed occurred when we ratified the Constitution, whether it's the United States Constitution or your state constitution. People said we will be governed by these people under these conditions. So we select trusted representatives that are required in every instance to take an oath to uphold the limits and bounds established within, you know, if you're a state legislator, let's just say, you take an oath to uphold your state constitution as well as the United States Constitution. And so what happens is that, that we say, okay, okay, we... we We've got the rules of engagement. This is the sandbox they play in. They can only play in that sandbox. And, and we'll abide by the stuff that comes out of their legislative enactments within the limits and bounds of that sandbox. And so the consent of the governed was given back in 1788 when the, uh, when, when the uh, ratification level was obtained for a critical mass to have the U.S. Constitution uh, become our Constitution. And, and it does not change every time there's an election. That consent is not an allowance to be able to go run amok because of all of these incompetence, you know, these lesser of lessers that we're putting into high office that should be trusted representatives, that should be those that, that are uh, wise and honest and honorable and good, um, and, and they take an oath, a sacred oath. And by the way, uh, Noel Webster, one of the founding fathers, spoke of oaths, and even if you don't say, so help me God, at the end of the oath or the affirmation, as it's often referred to, the Noah Webster said that the vengeance of God is imprecated upon the individual that violates such an oath, even if they don't, you know, uh, overtly say in the name of God. So these people are scoundrels that are abandoning this. And, and, I, and Dr. Let me, add, let me add this uh, component as well. Not only was the consent, gift, consent given the long time ago, the contract doesn't re-up or change every election cycle. There's no doubt about that. 
But furthermore, individuals and tiny groups do not have the authority to interpret it and or um, refer to it in ways that individualize it or uh, circumvent it. Let me give you an example. A lot of these sovereign citizen movements, a lot of these uh, fully or not fully informed juries, but um, uh, jury uh, people that, that think that they can just create their own grand juries and things like this outside of the scope of government. This consent is a general consent that was given a long time ago to the document, to the contract, to the delegations laid out by that consent. But it's not individualized to the point where you can just say, I don't believe that. I don't believe in the IRS. I don't believe in and, – and I agree that some of the things are wrong that they've done, but, I, but, but we can't just opt out on a whim, and we can't make it so individualistic uh, that it denies the whole contract is what I'm trying to get across. Uh, there is a general consent by the people, and individual whims can't circumvent that original um, delegation of authority and by our consent. Individuals and, and, and tiny groups cannot circumvent that for their own purposes either, or they run rogue against the general contract. You know, uh, a couple of two or three things we probably ought to reiterate with this. Number one, that the Constitution are, is written in plain English words. That the meaning of those words can be known. They can only mean what they were meant, what they meant in 1787 when they were written. There can be no modification of the definitions over time by any means, whether it's changing it in a dictionary or by court decree or anything like that. So the meanings are known. They are there. Okay. The second thing is what you're talking about is, is a, a big concern, really. And, and you, and I remember one time here a couple of years ago, you and Kurt and I were talking and, and I played a, a little bit of a, a foolish scenario out, but, but it made the point, I think. And I, I said, basically, I'm sure that you and I, you know, Kurt and you and me, could agree that we are the finest individuals that could possibly run a government. You know? Of course, it's all... Yes, we are, sir. <laughs> and so, anyway, I said, you know, we could agree among ourselves that, that we ought to be in charge. And, but does that give it authority to be done? And the answer is no. And they say, well, but, but wait, 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 let's talk about some of your listeners some of your listeners are probably just absolutely yeah. They, Bradley and, and Sam and, and Kurt, they could they could run this. They could do it. Let's all just decide that you know among your listeners. Again, tongue in cheek. But the fact of the matter is, because we self-appoint does not delegate or grant or allow uh, a usurpation of any authority. And sometimes people that that take this mentality um, get to the point that they. They take precipitous action sometimes, and, and they put, you know, the justice system at risk. They they put the domestic violence situation at risk, and and what we end up having is is people that you know are saying, well, it's not the way I want it, so I'm going to go throw Molotov cocktails or run down the street or whatever. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where we have a process by which this is done. It's a tried and true process. Now I've got to tell you that the theft of this uh, uh, election in 2020 has, has caused uh, uh, something that we've got to get our arms around. We've got to reestablish the integrity of the election. Because if people feel that they, they no longer have an avenue, a just avenue, by which they can correct things, 
And I've always said we have two things that the Founding Fathers didn't have and it justified them going to arms. We have the Constitution and we have the vote. And, and because so few people have embraced the constitutional pr principle, limited government, checks and balances, delegated power, all of that kind of stuff, so few people have understood this that we're in grave danger today. Although we have the organic document, it's almost never applied. And so we've got to return to that, and it takes we the people to do that. But in addition to that, we the people have got to get our arms around the integrity of our election. Of course, and we always come back in, in your show, I know that, to this idea we've got to be a virtuous people. We've got to get right with God. I mean, and unless and until we do that, all bets are off. And in fact, I say often, no nation that is a, has, has been faithful to God has ever fallen. But but we're and fast by the way, approaching that. I mean, the reason that's the reason, even as, as a broken record as it may seem to be, ladies and gentlemen, we will never come off of this focus. We will never come off of the focus that we need to be a good, honest, moral, righteous people keeping the commandments of God if we want the blessings of liberty. And you know what? You can say it's a broken record. You can say I'm not as religious as you are, Sam. You can say whatever you choose, but we will stick with the solutions that absolutely, absolutely are proven successful. And there is no other way. You cannot violate author of liberty and his commandments and guidance and expect to have liberty. It is not possible, and therefore we will never step back from that obligation. And I would submit opportunity to keep the commandments and receive the blessings. Okay, this is what God has told us. It isn't my edict, it isn't my say, it isn't my opinion. It's the reality that the author of liberty gives us. We can turn our back on it at our peril, but we can't deny truth as it really Why is. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love 
get married and have some kids. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time sure flies when you're talking about liberty. Thanks for cause to which we're engaged absolutely 1,000%. By the way, um, in the uh, $15 minimum wage thing, there's a lot of Democrats that voted against it, just so you know. So we do have the ability to reject the swamp and reach across the aisle and make a difference and influence people for good. And there are Democrats who do believe in principles of liberty. We just need to help them understand and remember who they are and what they stand for. And we absolutely, Dr. Bradley, need to really hammer on this that is about keeping the commandments of God. If we want liberty, there is no other way, sir. You know, let's let's talk about that for a moment. You know, some people you've said have said to you, well, Sam, I'm just not as religious as you are. But, but let me just tell you what Thomas Jefferson said. Now, he was the icon of liberty in so many ways, and he, he put forth the Virginia Religious Liberty uh, uh, Act that... Uh, established that in Virginia before even the uh, the First Amendment was brought forth. But here's what he said. The interests of society require the observation of those moral precepts only which all religions agree, for all forbid us to murder, steal, plunder, or bear false witness, and that we should not intermeddle with the particular dogmas in which all religions differ and which are unconnected with morality the practice of morality being necessary for the well-being of society. We all agree in the obligation of the moral precepts of Jesus, and nowhere will they be found delivered with greater purity than in his discourses. Now, at an earlier time, he said, the declaration that religious faith shall not be punished does not give impunity to criminal acts dictated by religious error. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Jefferson points out the the fallacy of the statement today that you can't legislate morality. My position is if a law does not have a moral basis, it ought to be revisited. And he talks about because the moral there, there precepts. There is no such thing as politics, doctor. It's all moral discussions. And when you say you can't legislate morality, you can stand on morality. Um, it's, it's not only a fallacy, it's an outright lie, and they know it. So there are no things of, of political nature of divide nature, of the many that can't agree idea. Okay, it's every, all these discussions are moral discussions, every single one of them. Well, and, and here's the thing. The, uh, the Founding Fathers clearly understood the, the responsibility to maintain morality, and we could talk whether it's Blackstone, one of the mentors of the Founders, if you will, or Washington's inaugural address or farewell address, and I mean, Jefferson, Madison, uh, John Adams, uh, Samuel Adams. I mean, you could, you could go down the whole list. But, but again, going back to this Jefferson statement, the practice of morality be necessary for the well-being of society. But this, this other statement at the end uh, needs to be just a moment spent on, I think. The declaration that religious faith shall be unpunished does not give impunity to criminal acts dictated by religious error. So let's just take honor killings. Your daughter comes home past her curfew. She's dishonored the family, so now we're going to kill her in the streets. Okay? This is religious error. This Sharia law kind of thing that some people would say, oh, so they ought to run the nation. No. 
the United States Constitution specifically says that the United States Constitution shall be upheld. Sharia law does not is not the law that this nation should go under. And so we could take that side trip if you wanted. But the fact of the matter is, religious error is not what Thomas Jefferson's talking about. And in that, uh, he says, we agree that the obligation of uh, and the moral precepts of Jesus, and nowhere will they be found delivered to greater purity than in his discourses. Jefferson turned back to the Savior to look at the moral basis of what society ought to be. Most people don't know that he read in the original languages every night before he went to bed the the statements by Jesus Christ. I mean, and, and in his Bible he wrote, I am a Christian, in spite of what all of the detractors and religious uh, detractors and, and revisionists say, Jefferson was a Christian. He may have held some beliefs and tenets differently than maybe what your belief is. In fact, it's interesting to me, he said, I am a sect by myself, as far as I know. I mean, he, he held these sacred principles, but, but they were based upon a morality. And, um, and so that's what the basis of this nation is. And unless and until we can return to that, I think we've still got a bumpy road ahead of us. And by golly, it looks like based upon the actions of the administration and the Congress and the courts and, and what our buffoons in our local communities are doing it we're we've got a long ways to go guys but we we can do it ladies and gentlemen these are serious principles these are serious um ideologies to reckon with and it's important that we bring them forth in our day they were widely understood in the founders day they have been for the most part lost in modern day We've fallen for this lie that everything is relative. We've fallen for this lie that, oh, the Constitution is just an ever-changing, living, breathing document. We've fallen for this lie that we can judge the past based on our own current, um, in my opinion, propagandized understanding. All these things are falsehoods that must be jettisoned yesterday. And the answers lie in the simple truths held in the Bible, the simple truths held by Christians and people who believe in Christ, the simple documented principles in the Ten Commandments. Okay, these are fundamental basics that we must return to if we want to right the ship and if we want to stay in the ship called the Constitution, called the political religion of our nation. We need to stand with these things, and we need to do it. There needs to be enough of us. We don't have to have a majority, but we have to have enough of us. Otherwise, we will lose the protection from Almighty God, the author of our liberty, and we will fall into, uh, I don't even want to say what. I mean, who's, who knows how bad it can get if we turn our back on our God. And so these things are not negotiable. Okay, We may not have unity, but we can have civility about it. But these things are not negotiable. If we're going to have unity, it must be around these fundamental moorings, these fundamental truths, these principles that make nations, peoples, families, Great, Doctor. You know, you, you say you don't know how bad it'll get if we lose those things, but I think we can find some examples in the French Revolution with the debauchery that came out of there. They, they basically, they, their religion became atheism. They overthrew you know, marriage and the sanctity of family and everything. I mean, we could go on and on with that. We look at what the Sarloff anarchists did after the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and what Marx talks about, overthrowing the most sacred and hallowed relationships. 
And you compare and contrast that with, with what the American founders said. I mean, John Adams said, only a religious and moral people can be governed by this Constitution. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and his, well, we've talked about enough about maybe about his, some of his things. Let's just go to, to George Washington. In his first inaugural address, he said the basis of his administration would be public and private virtue. These things were foundational. I'll give you another example. In, um, on December 25th, 1804, joint session of Congress called itself together, met. So we're talking Christmas Day, 1804. Guy by the name of John Hargrove was was tasked with the responsibility of speaking to the joint session of House and Senate about an assigned topic. That assigned topic was the second coming of Christ and the Judgment Day. These people were focused in the founding era about preparing this nation for the return of the Savior. Compare and contrast that to the buffoonery that happens in in whether they're jointly met or not, the House and the Senate, and and the the talking of things like killing unborn children and it's okay, or taking away God-given rights, or limiting our ability to practice our religion individually or as, or as institutions. These people were a different mindset, and today we have basically become French revolutionists, the Illuminists of uh, the Illuminati, the, the Jean-Jacques Rousseau's and the and the Robespierre's uh, of our modern era. And, and that is who we are looking to to govern this nation, tragically and sadly. Now, there are some very rare but very sparkling uh, differences from that, that that we can point to, but rarely does anybody have a full comprehension of, of the whole thing. Somebody may be for the Second Amendment, but they want to send the nation to war at the drop of a hat. Or, or some, they're they're fiscal conservatives, but they're social liberals. Whatever. I mean, or, or they may be against uh, the IRS, but they're advocating for a con con. I mean, it's insanity, ladies. Exactly. And the lack of understanding that we have. So we don't have. Well, I'll absolutely say that we don't have any perfect people there. None of us are. There's only been one perfect mortal walk the earth and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we can emulate as much as we possibly can by focusing on his, his way. As, as, uh, as our good friend Jefferson said, nowhere are these precepts delivered with greater purity than in the discourses of Jesus Christ. And, and we need to turn our hearts to that. That's where the Founding Fathers were. And and Tocqueville wrote extensively about this in in his uh, writings after returning to France from visiting America in 1831, and and he spoke about how religion was the principal issue in America. In in, in America, he said, you know what? There's not a law against everything. You can do almost anything you want. But people don't because they have a moral compass within them. See, we, we, as we become more vicious and, and debauched, as, as, as talked about by Ben Franklin, we need more masters. And that's why Utah's legislature just finished up. I'll just use that as an example. They created 503 new laws. You look at that, extrapolate that over 10 years, 20 years. Do we really need that many more masters? And, and I, I would submit that if the people were bounded as in the beginning of this nation, by this moral compass 
that they knew that they ultimately would face a divine judge that would be able to uh, really adjudicate things properly. They they didn't run off the rails and and do all sorts of debauched and and uh, you know vile and lewd and and corrupt and illegal kinds of things that that violates individual rights and and that the very basis of our government. We are stealing, for example, this one point nine trillion dollar debauchery that was just passed by the House and the Senate and signed by the President is stealing, stealing from our future, from our posterity. We have we have shackled our posterity with one point nine trillion more dollars of debt. Now I'm not saying just a portion of it, I'm saying it all, because we're long since spent beyond what our revenue stream is. So we've just stolen $1.9 trillion from our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and, and that's immoral. Theft is immoral. The Eighth Commandment applies whether government does it or whether you do it. I think I've, I've run us out of time, Sam. You've done a phenomenal job, as always, sir. We'll chat Monday. We appreciate you. FreedomsRisingSun.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about the peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. We're all about it and pray you'll join us. LovingLiberty.net, LibertyRoundTable.com, FreedomsRisingSun.com. For Sam and Dr. Scott Bradley, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.